Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode of Silent Giants is brought to you by Ali. Ali, powered by Verizon locations, are developed by Verizon the world's leading technology company. In collaboration with Alley, a membership-only community workspace for creators. Each location is a community curated powered by the emerging technologies and thought leadership of Verizon. With Alley, Verizon is bridging the gap between startup and corporation by helping the community workspace build next-level ecosystems for entrepreneurs. Now, on to my episode with Joanna Nordahl. But I think if you have enough drive and you want to tell stories then, yeah, you just need to, like, make good shit, you know? And it's going to pay off. Like, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Uh, yeah. Everybody tuning in, you invited, you invited. No matter what mood you in, get excited, get excited. Everybody love the music, let me tell you how they do it. Whether writer or an agent, let me tell you how they made it. You are now talking to a silent giant. Wanna walk in their shoes, silent giants. Wanna study they moves, silent giants. Wanna know what they do, silent giants. Silent giants, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to the Silent Giants Podcast. A podcast highlighting the superstars behind your favorite superstars in creative industries. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. To keep up with the latest on the show, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at SilentGiantsPodcast. To keep up with my life, music, and more, be sure to follow me as well at, at Corey Cambridge. This week's Silent Giant is Swedish film director Joanna Nordahl. Joanna is one of my dear friends who has positioned herself as one of the top music video directors in Europe. Her work as a music video director even earned her a Swedish Grammy Award. In this episode, Joanna chats about the art and music scene in Sweden, her career as a film director, and gives advice to other directors looking to break into the industry. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to the Swedish film director, my friend, the silent giant, Joanna Nordahl. Uh, uh. So, you're going to hear yourself... Yeah, only here. Yeah, you should, yeah. Or? Yeah, only on this side. All right, ready, ready to rock and roll? Yes. Yo, what's up, Joanna? How are you? I'm great. How are you? Or, or, or for, for our, our Swedish audience, Yo, Joanna. Yeah. Joanna. Joanna. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough one. Well, I mean, always the accent on the show already makes it, like, way classier. Exotic. Yeah. <laughs> and also, too, to, get, to give the context of the interview, if you hear a cat... Fucking meowing in the back. If you hear a bird chirping, we are uh, our first outdoor podcast. It's like 71 so degrees nice. in New York City. And me and Joe had the idea of like, Joe, let's just do this shit like outside and drink coffee. So nice. This vibe out. Ideal. So ideal. This is already <laughs> like setting the tone of like a vibe. Yeah. He has like greenery all around, like in the Amazon of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, ah, ah. <laughs> You should just invite everybody over now and do all your interviews <laughs> for the rest of the year. Yeah, right we'll, now. Well, well, we'll have like down jackets on. Exactly. And like shivering. But there'll be no cats meowing, that's for sure. No birds chirping. Mm. So how, how are you enjoying your stay in New York? 
I'm loving it. I always have such a nice time here. Um, it's really, it's it's really um, at my happy place, New York, because I don't come often enough for it to be, I guess, an everyday like day to day life. I don't get into a routine, so it always just feels very joyful, and I see the people I want to see. You know, it's, yeah. I'm, it's I feel lucky that way that it's still this like gem for me. I don't get the bad bits of New York that everybody talks about. I mean, New York, New York is just, I always say that everything that's awesome in life has awesome problems, mm. right? So if, if you date a, a celebrity, that's fucking awesome. Right. But it also comes with awesome problems. They may have like issues with like scheduling and stuff like that or like privacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toss it anywhere. Okay. Yeah, totally fine. And New York's, New York's the same way. It's just that, like you have to embrace all of the awesome and all of the awesome bullshit that comes along with exactly. it. Exactly, it's extreme. Yeah, so you, you just get like the honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been I have been thinking about moving here like my entire life, but I'm not sure it's gonna happen. But it, I still very much enjoy coming here. That's for sure. So well, I'm having the best time. Yeah, because where are you? Where are you based now? I'm based in London and in Stockholm. Because okay. I am from Sweden, so basically I spent. I, I mean, I learned um, a long. T- I learned a long time ago that in the film industry or the like, this kind of mixed arts film industry that I'm in, it's um, it's very good to be like a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. And so my strategy has always been to try and make really dope stuff where I'm at to sort of you know, create, like, really find a great team over years, you know, and find a platform and all of this stuff and find people that actually want to see what I do rather than moving too soon and just be a complete nobody in a massive city. So it's been really good for, like, you know, creatively to be in a small place like Sweden. Right. And so I'm still, like, half-based there and now moving more and more to London and really excited about kind of um you know attacking that scene and that that industry there and see what happens well i think it's good to like cultivate you know i mean i'm from richmond virginia which is a small i guess small everything small compared to new york so uh uh it's kind of like a more like a big town yeah but it's great because you can like really cultivate your skill and and your talent and find your base and exactly like really 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 like hone your craft and then take it to the big and good people like you get really close to people when you work over many years and it's not and it's not a massive place so it's like easier to stay in touch and to get really like strong connections with people and keep working with those over the years and grow together like yeah i think it's it's really it's a privilege to grow up in a safe place like Sweden, yeah. where where also like there is a very thriving art scene. But if you do something that people see and like, you will actually get noticed. Do you collab- is, do you find it easy to collaborate with folks in Sweden? Yeah, yeah. I think it it, it depends, but I think because um, because of it being it, like overall a safe place you know it's like one of the safest places in the world to grow up yeah feel very lucky about that and because of that i think that people are um more willing to take risks because they're not as scared of losing everything or you know Mm. so that's definitely like a privilege but it's also um small it's like you know stockholm feels like a tiny village it really does there's like one million people living there and it's the capital of our country oh wow it's not not very big it's tiny it's tiny 
Wow. It's tiny. But it's like very, it's very, um, you know, it just, there's a lot of stuff happening and it's very inspiring. And a lot of, for some reason, it's one of those hubs in, in Europe that people really look to for inspiration when it comes to certain areas of art. And, okay. um, so there's always stuff happening and there's always really cool people traveling through. So, yeah, yeah, it's weirdly, even though the size is like, yeah, nothing. I think because also because the music industry in Sweden is a big part of our like export in general. And that's been like a fact for I don't know how many years, like fucking hell. ABBA, like since then, it's always been a place where American artists, British artists, massive, like there's so many people streaming in to like make music in Sweden. And that's what's kept it interesting for me because there's like this flow of people coming and going. I want to I touch on that too. Like growing mm-hmm. up, growing up in Sweden, like why do you think that music scene is, is, is such a hotbed for musical talent mm-hmm. or creative talent? Like why is that? That's a really good question. I have thought about this. Um, yeah, I think I, th- I think the safety of it is definitely a factor. Like people, people could like even in like the '60s, they could like nerd in on stuff and and not feel. Um, really scared about the risks that they were taking in pursuing that type of career. Mm. Um, but I also think that there has been like some very inspirational individuals who's come along, you know, um, as, like, honestly, it sounds cliche, but like ABBA was a big thing. It's still a big thing. Like it's one of our like country. It's like a proud, proud thing, you know, and the, the dudes who um, produced all that stuff, like Bjorn and Benny, the mm-hmm. guys, they, they have like they have this studio that's still, you know, one of those almost like Electric Lady here in New York or like exactly. Abbey it's, Road in London. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or like the Pet Sounds kind of thing, you know. So it's like it's a place where people are like, oh, that's that's a sick place. There's just so many cool things that used to happen there in the sixties and seventies and da da da. And so I think today it's more about um, tradition. You know that there's always been like a tradition of music making in Stockholm, especially. And because um, also too to give context, Swedish bands that we know and love, Abba's one, right? Um, Max Martin, who is like the That's greatest the producer and writer in like modern pop history. You should meet him. Oh yeah, should yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's definitely done a lot. Is that Max for Martin just scene. roaming around? <laughs> That's the Sweden thing. chilling at Starbucks or something. Yeah, and it's also something like oh, he is just chilling around. Yeah, and damn. I, I, mean, I gotta go. Yeah, but I mean, he's uh, like, and he's definitely one of those key people who had massive success and who's also been one of the one of the folks going like, oh, okay, there's talent right here. I'm gonna kind of pick this person up and have this be my trainee, you know? Or yeah, you know. So there's like. I don't, I don't know this. Don't take this as a fact, but I know that there's this producer called Shellback, who's like one of, like, um, I think he started out like, basically serving coffee at at Max Martin's office, and then he was just like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just hang around, at, like be their slave, and then I'm gonna learn how to produce music in the shadows of this, and then I'm gonna force max to listen to my stuff yeah and he did and now shellback's one of i think one of like top 10 producers in the world like he does like all the all the major american stuff like it's insane right he has credits on all weird like taylor swift you know blah 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 and he literally just started out at this like shy intern who was just like i'm gonna 
punk my way into this. So I think that whole that whole group of people have also been really like building the country and now there's so many great talents there it's incredible yeah, it's 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 Abba, it's max martin the greatest producer writer of all time mm-hmm. arguably he's up there with like lennon and mccartney now as far as like yeah chart yeah. like, like number one placements yeah like made britney spears happen and all of that oh, stuff britney spears backstreet boys nsync, NSYNC taylor uh, swift yeah uh usher for sure yes uh oh man like the songs he's done are just christina aguilera yes yeah, uh, like he's just like all of like '90s, early 2000s bangers is T- like today is too. Doing. K- Katy Perry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Teenage Dream album, like that's one of my favorite pop albums of all time. That's like Max I Martin love Crit. that album. That's a great it's album. It like, is. Like I don't have, I have no shame, yo. Like me neither. I go hard. I saw but a concert like, recently, and I was like, damn, there's a lot of good hits. Here. <laughs> it's endless. It's yeah. just hit, 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 hit. And it's and it's and that's what's so fun is that not, still like that heritage is there, so people really you know, travel to Sweden to make pop. Yeah. And I think that's so cool that it has like this really heavy pop base. I don't know if there's any other place in the world where the where pop is so like... Maybe L.A. Maybe May- L.A., Maybe, yeah. but, but I don't think that like L.A. is one of those towns where it's just entertainment all around. Right. Whether it's like movies or sports or yeah. television and music. Yeah. I think like just for pop like the same way nashville is for country yes that's exactly. what like stockholm is yes exactly like Sweden, like, exactly know. and i think so it's it's just everything goes hand in hand so like there's been these talents and then they lift up new talent and then that makes other people who are maybe scared of going into the business like they suddenly see these role models in their own tiny country and they're just like oh yeah i could do that you know it just creates this vibe of opportunity and and uh, confidence yeah so i think now it's just this like it's it's really an industry and maybe because of that um you know even when it comes to like being young and wanting to get into the music scene if you want to do that in sweden your parents won't be like no dude like you have to be a doctor they'll be like yeah go for it you know what i read an article on um on max martin and it was a he was speaking on the, like the education system in Stockholm and in Sweden yeah. in particular, yes. and how they put a big emphasis on music education. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you experienced growing up as well? Was Definitely, there, yeah. What was your like? What was your upbringing like uh, growing up in, in Sweden? I mean, it's um, you're very encouraged to you're very encouraged to be creative, which is super nice. Like you're encouraged to have multiple. Um, you're encouraged, you're encouraged to really like try try stuff out and 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 not be too scared of like pursuing your passion you know um and we don't we really don't have this culture that you guys have here with like all the big sports teams and like this like this is what you should do you should go to college and you need to pay all this money and da da, da. i think the 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 major thing is that school in sweden is free you know school like all schools are free even the best music school is free and that really opens a lot of doors mm. so of course there's like i mean there's like a handful of private schools but everybody just talks trash about those like that's not cool that's like super posh and boring if you go to a good school it's like a public school and they're all free and that really helps create creativity to not be under the knife money wise you know that's really a massive thing like you're allowed to take risk because like society looks after you you know it's 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 uh it's it's very it's a very democratic country and like what was your upbringing like what do your parents do for a living 
Um, my mom's uh, my mom's a scientist. Um, she's really cool. She's like top genius. Um, she's yeah. She she she's from Brazil and she moved she moved to Europe when she was quite young to pursue to try and pursue a career like being a researcher, scientist, because she couldn't really do that in Sao Paulo where she grew up. Mm -hmm. And nobody in her family had done that. She, she was really like the bird who flew the nest and it was scary and then she made it happen. And my dad used to be a photographer and now he works in, in television as a producer. And so I, I grew up like, you know, checking them both out. And But I really fell in love with my dad's profession like being on set and seeing all the technology and all the stages and all that stuff I thought it was so cool and even though they were doing these kind of lame programs you know sometimes it was just like some weird game show I was just like wow this is so sick I, I, just, <laughs> I, I just I thought it was really really exciting and I think that definitely for me going into what I do 100% helped me just not be scared of it, if you know what I mean. And because I could see, I saw a person in my family actually working within the entertainment I industry and it not being like an impossible thing to pursue. And so like, at, did you always kind of have this vision in your mind that you were going to get into film? Was that like your first career path or, or track? No. Um... um I always wanted to work with uh, the ocean, like be a marine biologist or something. But I'm, I didn't do very well in school and in those type of subjects, like, subjects like math and chemistry. I, I wasn't great at that, but I was good in like the mo more social sciences areas and arts and stuff like that. And so when I grew up, I just had a lot of hobbies. I would sing, dance, uh, paint, draw, like typical kid with a lot of things to say, but I didn't know how to express myself. So I was just trying out everything. And then high school, I started getting more and more into um, acting and working on like stage, stage productions. And that's when I was like, oh, I was, I, I was pretty much asked to direct some play in high school. Um, oh, no, no, no. Okay. Let me start over. Um, there's a there's a, in this in the town where I grew up, a really small town. There's this tradition since 60 years back that every school has their own like play, you mm -hmm. know, and it's like a musical. It's a yearly musical, and that I guess that's kind of like how it is here in America with like the Glee Club or whatever. It's like all the nerds gather and they make performances and then nobody cares <laughs> and but the thing is in that town like everybody cares it's like cool to be on the drama team okay it's like really cool yeah in the states is like nerd squad exactly but in <laughs> in sweden it was like everyone who was in like the band or in the drama class they were like yeah you know everyone wants to be part of that squad which is great <laughs> for us so um so yeah so i was part of that whole little nerdy scene and we threw like amazing parties and it was really, really fun. And, and, and then by the end of year three of high school, I was directing stuff for that team, you know? So we had like a yearly production and, and it was really big. It was like 150 people collaborating, all students. Um, 
collaborating to put up this show at like the the major city theater each year and you know we were handling everything from budgets to websites like this was before facebook everything like that yeah and um and like we had the the orchestra and the dance team and like the finances team and da, da, da. and that was really it was super nerdy but it was super cool too because we were making something from nothing and we were just we none of us were professionals we were just all kids who liked drama and who liked you know putting on a show <laughs> and that was such a joyful experience to me and i think within that and like directing things for this um yeah in this context was really like an eye opener for me because i found it so much fun like a lot of pressure too but just very fun and it also kind of came easy for me like i would i would direct people and i would be like actually i know how to do this weirdly i know how to do this i don't have any practice in it but i've been on stage for so many years that i know what to say to make people understand me and that was a bit like oh maybe potentially possibly i should direct so it just planted that seed in my brain and, and did, how did that that opportunity from you in school directing um you know plays in theater mm -hmm. get into like film like where did that transition happen in your life where you picked up a camera um i was like i was already like a film buff like i just loved movies in general but i um I think it was, I moved to Stockholm from my little hometown. I moved to Stockholm. And then when I came there, I realized that everybody had a thing. Everybody was so like, yeah, I'm a dancer. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm a graphic designer. I'm doing this. It was so, everybody seemed like they had such a clear idea about what they were doing. And Stockholm is a super, it's like a super ambitious, fast paced city. So you can also feel a bit pressured if you don't know what you're doing. You, you, like that doesn't really exist you just have to have a plan which is like something it's really a part of my love hate relationship with that city because it does create a lot of you know it's a really creative buzz and um high intensity like people produce stuff all the time all the time whereas like in other you know other um european cities like berlin or whatever the the vibe is more like you should just have fun like if you create something that's cool but that's not the reason you live yeah. whereas stockholm is very much like you are what you do mm. um which can get really intense and really depressing too but at that time i was at that point i was just like okay fuck this is like i need to get going i need to do something now so to be honest i i, I was just like i like film let's just try to do that and then i applied to all i applied for all the like major film schools but i wasn't accepted into any of them and then and, and why, why why was that because you had no film experience at that time um or, or were, you, were you already filming at time at the, the thing time is applied, I, they're or? very elitist you know it's like they accept it's like 800 for like the major film school in sweden it's like a thousand people applying and they accept four mm. four people so it's just the odds are very much against you okay and i like i did very well it's like i was like the fifth person you know and that kind of broke me down because I was literally like the fifth person and they cut me out and then four other people were in. And I, I and they were and they told me that that they were like, sorry, you got really close, but no. And that was for me like, uh, what the hell? And because I had experience in theater and I had been directing before, I think that they saw they saw that I had something, but they 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 just weren't looking for me. And 
being young and being very like confused about everything, I was really, really upset because I thought that would be the only way to get into the industry. Like that was the myth, you know. Um, so I was super bummed out and really sad for some time. And then, and then I just started. Um, and then I took some like classes and I, I did this like two-year thing at, at like a public film school which had many different programs like journalism or you know but it wasn't one of the like heavy fancy ones and that's just where I learned about like how to handle basic stuff like how do I how do I edit how do I handle a camera and all the stuff but then I think the big thing was that because during those two years I was still like is this what I want to do is this what I want to do hmm but then we all we all um uh we had this period of internships and I was just like I want to be with someone who makes music videos because that had always been like what I loved like what I secretly loved like music videos that's how I grew up like I'm such a TRL music MTV you know oh, generation dude, it's like, insane go there yeah, yeah and and for me, that's like I was even more into music videos. Were, than were, you, were you guys watching TRL in, of course, in Sweden yeah. with Carson Daly? Yes, yes. What yes, of was, was it live? Uh, I mean, I don't know, but yeah, I guess so. It was MTV. Okay, were you watching it like after school? Yeah, every day. Oh, so you guys might have. But like, I don't think it was after. I, I mean, it wasn't live because it was obviously like different time zones. Right. Like that. Yeah. Right. But it was just yeah. I was watching it every day. Wow! I didn't even know that. Yeah. So and we also had our Swedish versions of it. There's like there was this very classic show called Vox Pop that was like the Swedish TRL that was like my favorite show, and um, where they would just rank music videos yeah, every yeah, week. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was so cool. Um, so when we got to do our internships in school, I was like, okay, I'm going to find someone who makes music videos and have that be my internship, like assist someone who's in that business, even though music videos are not doing well right now, <laughs> because they really weren't 10 years ago. Um, I wanted to do that. And then I found, so I found this, um, uh, director of photographer called Matias Montero. He's a, f yeah, he's a fantastic cinematographer. And who had done some of the videos and directed some of the videos that I was really into at the time. And I uh, approached him and was like, I don't know very much about this, but I will like literally like work my ass off for you guys. So like, give me a, tri give me a, like a trial. Like, can I, can I just help you guys on production for a few weeks? And if I do a good job, maybe I can stay a tiny bit longer, you know? And then I did, and then they liked me, and I worked my ass off, and then that became a much longer internship. Like, I was there, you know, for a year or wow. something. And I was traveling to L.A. and interning there, and, like, heavily, yeah, trying to, like, hustle my way into as many shoots as I could. Even if they were really, like, shitty or random, I was just like, I need to be there, I need to be there. Um, and what did you learn on these internships? Like that you came in kind of like not knowing yeah. a lot about yeah. the industry and the music video world. What did you learn to take away from that experience? To be honest, I learned pretty much everything. Like it was so, I think I learned within, like in that year, and I don't want to sound like arrogant, but in that year, I think I learned what I would have learned in five years of film school. That's how it felt. That's not arrogant. That just sounds American. Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how it felt because it was, 
the, the, it was just such hard work, you know, and you're just getting thrown between. It's like any internship. You get thrown between assignments and super weird challenges all the time where you're just like, I'm actually I'm I'm lit. I'm going to die now. Like, that's how it felt at times uh, with just like, you know, anything from dealing with like finding extras in the middle of the night on like Santa Monica Boulevard because there's a shoot at 6 a.m. and they're missing extras, you know, on a bike because I didn't have my license and to sitting in like boardroom meetings with like Nintendo talking about their next campaign. It was so weird to be like highs and lows and and also to, uh, it was, yeah, they were tough bosses, you know, really yeah. tough. And also the American way it's very different from the Scandinavian, like, oh, you, you still did good, you know? <laughs> Here it's just like, you know, you're so replaceable and you should know that. Like, we can kick you out any second. People are lining up outside to have your position. Now fucking bake this cake and put it in my mouth. That's <laughs> you know? America. Yeah. And that was just like, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I had no clue that it was going to be that tough. And also it, it was just great because it forced me to like, literally like pick up the camera and like shoot stuff and like cast people and edit stuff and you know with really short turnovers all the time so it was the best school because when, when did the opportunity come about for you to actually like get like behind the camera and your creative vision and completely like came out into the world did you remember like that magic moment where you were like oh shit this is like this is my shit yeah i mean the the first video i ever made i actually made during that internship, like when I was 20. So I'm in LA and I'm um, doing this, like I'm working like 18 hour days every day, pretty much. Also having fun, but it was definitely hard work. And then I met some, I met some people through um, the production company I was at um, who were also interns and who were just like up and coming photographers and all that stuff. And we were just like, we, maybe we should make something, like maybe we can just sneak away and do something cool. So I took like, um, so there's, there was another director, a producer and a DP. And we were just like, let's, let's make something together. And we literally just hustled, found a tiny bit of money to rent some tiny bit of, you know, um, equipment. And then, um, I had, I was like, I was working with a band in Sweden that, I had been like growing up with and stuff like that. And we were like, okay, let's just take this, this song and make them a video. And it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to go anywhere, but it's going to be fun. So we really like, we snuck off from work on a Friday evening and found this friend who we were like, can you act in this video? And we had a plan for it and everything. There's like, there's a narrative. It's not, it's not bad. <laughs> uh, and we, and I was just like, you know, very fascinated with LA and like all of the landscapes and the deserts and that stuff. I was like, we have to shoot at a motel and we have to shoot in a desert <laughs> and very cliche LA as well. But they're like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, so then we just, we snuck away and we prepped everything in that, on that one night, the four of us. And then on like Saturday morning, we drove out into the, to, to the desert and, um, and got lost. It's like, it's an, it's a crazy story, but Basically, we drove six hours in the wrong direction because someone read the map wrong. But we ended up in these fantastic places and had a really sick time. And then we just shot it. And then on our way back, um, on our way back, something happened. I don't remember. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we were trying to, 
we were trying to catch sunrise to get this final shot for the video. Like we were all like, yeah, magic hour. Like, okay, we, so we missed that last night. Let's just catch sunrise and, and nail this and then drive back to uh, LA because we all have to be at the shoot in the morning. So we get up at three, we drive out and we can't find this fucking dry lake that we're going to shoot at. We can't find it. So we get lost and we're driving and driving and people are panicking and we're like, we're going to miss, we're going to miss sunrise. Like, why are we even here? And, um, Eventually, we just found a place and just ran out and shot the stuff. And it, and it turned out really nice. And then, of course, we were late. So we had to drive back super fast. And everybody was also like hungover. It was, it was an odd vibe. <laughs> and uh, so our actress ended up driving because the producer was really like drunk slash hungover from like the night before. And we came, so we came uh, back to LA and, and there was a shoot. 
um, slowly I started like doing casting work, a lot of casting work and a, do- a lot of like ghost writing for people, just random stuff in the background. But it was really, really pivotal for me to like learn every area of filmmaking. I think that was the thing, like when, and my, my idea of what filmmaking directing was before I started doing it was that you only need to be good at directing. Like the, your craft is that you are good at speaking to actors and being pedagogical, you know, that's what I thought. But then as soon as I got into it, I was like, oh my God, no, like I need to learn how to shoot. I need to learn how to edit. I need to learn how to like do sound. I need to, I need to learn how to grade something. I, I really wanted to learn every single piece in making a, like making a, a film. And so I tried to do that. Like I would jump on projects as a photographer, even though I wasn't that good of a photographer and I would like edit stuff for friends or, you know, record shit just at home. And, um, that was really good because then, then eventually I could start making like little videos and stuff just on my own little business. And like, if somebody needed uh, a trailer for their thing, I could just be, uh, be like a one man band and do the whole thing myself, like mm. shoot it, record it, do the audio, da, 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 cut it, dish, 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 package it and make a buck and also just learn about it at the same time. So that's what I started doing like parallel to working for others. And then I think it's, it, it's, it reached a point where, um, it reached a point, I reached a point where like I realized that I, I would only go so far. Like I wouldn't learn enough if I didn't invest, like if I didn't take the risk of not working so much for other people. Okay. Um, so that was a really like, scary period of time of, turning down paying work to be able to do more projects by myself. Um, But, you know, eventually that grew into something lucrative. Like eventually, eventually the stuff that I was making was professional enough for people to actually pay me for it. And And, and how did those opportunities come about? Because I know we talked about earlier about um, about advertising Mm -hmm. and how... um, advertising is another way of bringing in income as a in your career as a director right did did a lot of that start off from commercial directing first no. or was it music videos no first no 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 for, what no. were your first couple of big like jobs? uh music videos for sure music videos that like that was what 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 trained me and did, did those opportunities come from like the artists that you had built relationships with yeah. or, or come from labels who have reached out to you to say, we have this artist? Uh, both. Like there were some labels that reached out to me and were like, oh, we saw that you did this like five minute doc on this random artist. We, we, now we need like, we need tour footage of this other band and we can't pay you almost anything. But if you go on tour with them and make a little documentary, we can pay you like a thousand dollars for three months. I'm like, okay. Right. You know, because I was just interested in doing as much as I could. So it was like a combination of labels reaching out and wanting like very cheap workforce who could also like, you know, do a lot of stuff and me pairing up with my buddies and doing stuff. Because also too, at, at this time, you know, us being millennials, we're getting, we were getting into the, the whole internet, yes. you know, kind of era. And also too, maybe was it when you were starting off mm. uh, in your career as an intern, were the budgets bigger? when you were starting off working for those other people versus like now for music videos? Um, 
Not really, not like... Because back in the day, they were like million dollars. For sure, videos. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's interesting because like when I started out, um, yeah, it, I think the whole music video industry had already kind of collapsed in, in Sweden and in Europe, so the money wasn't really there. But it was interesting working with all these, like pretty much everyone on the, on the, everyone in the cruise on these sets where I was interning or all these like, you know, legend legends in the industry like old foxes who had like been working with the videos in the 90s and 80s and stuff like that where there were like where the budgets were endless right. um so they it was a lot of talk about that like in my time like in the good old days we would make like you know we would have 10 times the budget um but i never experienced that okay. the only the only time i've experienced that is was when working in la because America and Europe is miles away when it comes to budgets. It's like, it's ridiculous. So when working in LA on the shoots there, that was like, that was like my way of seeing the scale that it could be. I was like, whoa, they have, they have, they have techno cranes on a video shoot. Like what? How can you, how can they afford that? And just seeing like, well, they actually built this set for this artist because in, in Sweden you can't like, it's getting better now, but you really couldn't do that for many years. It was like, you know, you have labels approach you and they're like, we have $3,000. And this is one of Sweden's biggest artists. Wow. That $3,000 is not your salary. That's the budget. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I think people over there, we've learned to really create a lot from nothing. Like we've learned, we've also like, you develop these very tight bonds with all of the rental houses and all of that. So it's really like, okay, next time I get, when I get like a big commercial job, I'm going to pay you more if you can just like lend me this stuff now. Like it's really that, it's really a hustle. Um, and it still is like that. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm lucky that I get to work with um, artists that are, that have slightly better budgets yeah. now, but it's still like, it's a joke compared to here. It's really like, it's insane. So people, what people do is that everybody just uses the they use the videos to um, to create portfolios, and that's everyone in the team: the DP, the electricians. Everybody just uses the videos to just build, 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 build contents for their websites, and and everybody works for free. And that's like I I made my first like I got my first salary from a music video like last year. And then, and I've made like 18 videos or something more. I don't know. Wow. And one Grammy award winning. Yeah. I mean, Swedish Grammy. Come on. You, you, you always, you always give it the, the, the yeah, Swedish. Yeah, I mean, a, a Grammy is like, a, a Grammy Grammy is like the biggest award you can get. So you, yeah, I have to be honest about that. It's yeah, a, but a Swedish Grammy is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fucking dope. <laughs> it is awesome because I know that it's within an industry that in Sweden means a lot. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Like, so how did that opportunity, like, like, you know, come about? Like, how does it feel to be rewarded for, like, something that came... One thing I love about art the most, mm. you know, is when something comes from your mind. Yes. When there's, like, a process where you could have said, fuck it, right? Mm -hmm. There's, like, this idea in your mind, and that's, like, okay, wow, you have vision. Mm -hmm. And then it's, like, you know what, like, I'm going to, like, put this together. Yeah. And, like, oh, then the actual act of putting it together is, like, super, super cool. Then, yeah. like, then finishing something is an accomplishment. Like, yo, I just finished it. It's right. so awesome. Yeah. And then to have it be, like, 
sent out to the universe mm. is and put out on the internet is mm -hmm. super super dope that's like another effort and right. then to have it be all appreciated yeah you know like all that hard work of you being in you know an intern and mm -hmm. and you being late for shoots in la and being yeah. scared shitless like how did that feel to be rewarded and like by your peers and and critically acclaimed I mean, to be honest, it felt great because um, I think my approach to the whole directing thing has always been that I'm really like super humble against, like super, super humble to the profession. Sorry if my English is not on point. No, 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 no. My English um, isn't on point either. <laughs> yeah, so I've always been just very humble, humble when approaching it. And that's why I've really tried to train on each area in filmmaking you know so that when i look at something i'm i'm basing i'm basing my judgment on actual experience you know and i can speak to someone who's doing the lights and know what this person is talking about you know i've been on sets assisting directors who literally don't know and that to me is like super weird so i really want to like not be not be controlling on set but to be to have enough knowledge on every area so that I know what everybody's doing, you know? And that was, so getting that award was really kind of just like, ah, like, just proof that that strategy has um, paid off, you know? Yeah. Because a lot of, I think everybody, everybody attacks the industry differently. And I think also, you know, being a woman in the industry means automatically means that you kind of have to work harder because you're a minority so you have to prove yourself you have to prove why you're there you know constantly and and that's what i mean by like i've been on sets where people don't know what they're talking about i think that the the tradition of the industry of guys doing this like you, you know some cool guy shows up with a nice hat and he's just like yeah i'm gonna direct this and everybody's like yeah okay like they just automatically trust this guy right uh, even like a producer of like the highest, uh, you know, the institute for like giving money to films in Sweden. Like she once told me that this hard truth. She's like, yeah, I mean, 90% of my colleagues would rather give the money to the guy with the hat, even if they didn't know if he could direct or not, exactly. than a woman over there. Um, and, and, and do you think, <clears throat> like knowing that you were going to be, you know, uh, um, a woman in this industry? Yeah. Um, that's extremely male dominated. Yeah. Um, did that, you know, I know being a black man. Yeah. When I go into a job or a situation, I have to know my shit mm. super tight. Exactly. Because if I fuck up one time, that may be the last time I get the call. Or I also feel like being a uh, black man, because I could be the only person to hold this position. Yeah. Or to be like. It's a lot of responsibility. Right. Like I'm also representing everyone else. Exactly. Yeah. Like before me who had this job and after me who has mm. this job. Do you feel that same pressure as For a woman? For sure. And I also think that the, I think that a big thing is that like growing up, I didn't have within like music videos, even in film in, in Sweden, like I didn't have a single woman to look up to. Like I, there weren't any women directing music videos commercials all of that stuff there was like it was purely men so if, okay if i would like research i would find people in the world but still few like it was like one to a, you know one woman and a thousand men yeah um and that that is a like i feel like that is such a it's such an important thing when 
like pursuing a dream. Like you, you need someone to look up to. And I always found that a bit conflicting because I didn't know who to look up to. So now even, even like from when I started 10 years ago to now, there's such a massive difference. You know, there's been a wave of change. Um, and even though like, even though the, like the, the stats are still super bad, at least like now, even in Stockholm, there's like a handful of super sick female directors. And I met with one of them recently and she's like, she's literally like my, like two years younger than me. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so grateful for you because like I was in film school and I found you and I was like, dude, that's what I want to do. And I'm like, what am I one of those people? Two younger people? Like I, I can imagine like it was blowing my mind. Yeah. And, and so yeah, it's it it, it become it comes with this weird responsibility, and and it also, um, yeah, it, winning the the award kind of made me just. It was really nice to get. To, to, it was really nice to have someone else say that what I'm doing is good, you know. Because I, I'm not American, so I'm not like, I'm the best, fuck everybody. Yeah. Like, we have a very humble approach to, like, selling ourselves or whatever. And it was just so nice to just kind of suddenly just lean on something. I'm like, yeah, fuck yes. The industry thinks I'm the best. Yeah. I don't have to say that myself. <laughs> right. Give me work and money now, you know. And so that was really cool. And it was also very cool to just hear from like young ladies that they were like, that's so sick. Like, oh, you want a Grammy? That's that's what I want to do. And, and, I mean, also, too, like, you know, that is a very big thing, uh, even with the like women that I've met from, you know, the Scandinavian region of the world or, yeah. you know, from Scandinavian descent. Mm -hmm. It's a very, um, very confident, like very, very confident uh because you're a very confident woman. Like, you're a boss lady. Yeah. Like, you command, like, yo, what's up, dog? <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that also, that's does, a massive part of my job. But does that, does that, um, have you felt like that has, like, intimidated, um, intimidated men or that being that confident woman has, like, caused conflict? Yes. Like, amongst people you're working with in your industry? And, like, how do you combat that? Like, how do you... It's, um... It's that's a very good question because it is super complicated. I've um, I feel lucky that I haven't I haven't been the victim of like serious harassment and stuff like that. Like all the, this whole Weinstein thing that everybody's, you know, it's there's a lot of super dark things that are popping up now finally about the industry, and I don't think that I've ever felt scared or intimidated in the workplace. But um, I think what anyone has to deal with if you're like oh, a woman in a power position is that um, a lot of men and women actually but a lot of people um, you have to have this really weird aura around yourself to not be considered a bitch so like it's this fine light like I've felt on shoots or even in meetings with like big clients and agencies that I have to have this like very happy very lightweight like non-intimidating aura around me that's how I have to present myself so that they won't feel intimidated because as soon as they feel intimidated they're like she's such a bitch like it goes that fast and um so I've been like I've even been on shoots where I've like told a photographer I'm like okay dude like hurry up over there and get that thing you know the way you do and the photographer like comes back to me and he's like 
I don't appreciate the tone that you were just using with me. And I'm like, what? And he's like, that tone, like that sounded like an irritated tone. I'm like, um, no, I was literally just telling you to go shoot over there, this thing that was happening right now. And the photographer's like, no, you had a bad tone. And I'm like, this guy would never say this to a male director. Right. Never. You know? And, and also to, to, get, to give context, when you're the director of a shoot, you're the boss yeah. of the shoot. Yes. You know what I mean? So to give context to folks who, you know, don't come from this industry. Right. This is someone who's below you. Yeah. I hate to say below you, but yeah. in, in rankings of their For job. Sure. yeah. Like coming to their superior and being mm. like, I don't like the way you're speaking to me. Right. That's something that I, I, 90%. Yeah. If you were a male. For sure. That would have never happened. No way. No way. And it was, yeah. And like those type of things have happened many times where if I'm direct with a man, some, I mean, not any man, obviously, but there's been situations where I'm just direct. Like, this is what we're going to do. Dish, 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 dish. Like literally doing my job. And if I'm not doing it with this tone, like I'm thinking that um, maybe we should do it like this. Okay. So that. I can use that tone and get my way. If I'm using this tone, this is what this is, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do 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 do, and I need you guys to just stand back while we're doing this. Da da da. They can literally give me like stank eyes. Like they can be like, dude, what's her problem? Like that's the attitude I get back. And I would get like passive aggressive emails from people like, we don't like the way that you um, speak with this like harshness in your voice. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm literally just a person saying things to another person you know it's very very odd it's like so they get intimidated so easily and also offended so easily it's like really really weird and um i was talking to a friend about this just the other day where it's such a weird fine line because also like she she was telling me that uh, and she's a journalist and she was telling me that very recently she she had like had to play that card of being like overly like nice and pedagogical be just because it's just such a big effort to be considered the bitch just because you're doing the job so it's like easier to just like be this like tame cat who just like wants to have a good time rather than being bossy if you will um because the the bossiness with the wrong person or the wrong man will create this negative reaction have you felt like your um has, has your approach sometimes, um, which is by far not wrong, cost you opportunities and maybe opportunities that, that um, you know, you would have had have gone to someone else because someone felt like you were being too direct, even no. though you're a director? No, the thing is, I mean, what I've learned is that like good work pays off. So at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what approach I had. If, the, if what we made is, is good, it's like a real nice piece of work or art or you know then it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how we got there but um i definitely feel that it's just it's a it's a gamble like in the best cases i'm just on set and i'm doing my job and i'm direct and i'm like you know sometimes super happy and like sometimes not as happy whatever like anybody else um and people are just respecting me and it's fine you know it's like a, it's like a healthy relationship on set but there's definitely times when it's the opposite, where if I like have a slight sharpness in my voice, some men, usually older than me, will get very offended and very like upset. And um, well, I always feel like if you're not 
You know, I would say if you're not a white guy, you're role playing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so true. Like, like, if you're not a white guy in the work environment, yeah, you have maybe to scan the room and be like, okay, so they're gonna they're gonna do yes. what I say if I kind of trick them into it. Yes. And these guys, I can actually be frank with, and these I cannot. So you know, and that's just like it's just the politics of any workplace, I guess. It's just very interesting in the film industry because it look like you are a unicorn. Like you meet if you're on set. On every shoot I've ever done, someone's been like, "It's so fun to work with a female director." Like someone from the crew, and I love that. Like I'm, I'm so happy that people are encouraging it and that inspiring more and more women to get into it. And it's also like a boost for me to be like, "Yeah, I think it's really fun too," you know. Um, but um, well, it's I, just, I think it's also just even in the artwork, though. I think mm-hmm. even in the art that you're creating, it gives a different perspective. For sure. I mean, you know? that's the whole point. Like, the, like think, think of it even like on a, on a wild scale, wild level of like porn. Yeah. Like porn is from a male's perspective. Yeah. Versus if like a female was to produce the same porn, yeah. it would look completely different. For sure. And that's like, honestly, like that's like main, like, I think I make films um, on a personal level. I make films because I love it. Like, because I enjoy it so much. But on like a purpose level... I do it because I know that I'm, like, needed. Like, Mm. our voices are needed. It's, like, insane that we see the same stories being told over and over and over and over again by the same guys sitting on piles of money. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, a grander purpose for me, which is, like, telling our stories, even though that sounds, like, you know, cheesy. But that's how I feel. And then on, like, yeah, the more personal level, it's just, like, because it brings me great joy. And also because I love collaboration. And I've been lucky to work with a lot of people like men and women who are just amazing and who don't think twice about me being a man or not, you know. So it's really like, yeah, it goes up and down. But it's definitely, it's definitely something that you have to think about. Because there's also, there, there's also the level of some, like, some, some guys have, I think, have trouble with... Um, like if you have if you're talking to them with like like a certain sharpness or directness they will get intimidated and feel threatened and like think that you're a bitch and so on um and then that same guy if you're like trying a different strategy like being very nice and being very like okay let's just try your way da, 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 they like interpret it as flirting yeah so it's like it's very weird it's a very fine line to just be interpreted as a person speaking you know Mm. Uh, and that's uh, tricky for sure that's really tricky how did you uh so you're now uh, represented by an agency how, how did how did being on uh, an agency versus not being on an agency uh, help your career what is what is the agency provided for you um that you couldn't necessarily have done by yourself and how does a film director get an agency how does that work um well, I think everybody um, has a very different, like all directors have really, really different paths. But for me, it was this very organic process of the fact that I've been working in Stockholm for like 10 years and a lot like coming back to the same people quite a lot. Um, and like this company where I'm repped in Stockholm, which is called Indio Film, um, they is basically a compilation of a constellation of um three uh, people that I've been working a lot with in the past, like a director, a producer, and a DP. And I had been like, you know, 
seeing different companies because I think I just reached a level where people saw dollar signs. They're like, actually, we might make money if we sign her. You know, that's what happens, right? When your craft is like good enough to maybe bring in the cash, then that's, that's when people will start seeing you. And so that's, that, that was a weird thing because for so many years, nobody saw me. And then suddenly, like, I don't even remember what I did, but suddenly like one company cont contacted me and then a week later, another one. And then a week later, it's like they, they talk, you know? And it's like the, how do you say, like the emperor's new clothes. Like if somebody's like, she's good. It was like, yeah, I've known yeah, that all yeah, along. Yeah. Like she's great. And that was kind of a nice feeling to like turn everybody down. I'm like, no, you should have grabbed me earlier. Like, right. because I was working in places where like, the guys that had been working there less time than me who were directing the same amount of stuff on the side, they were getting repped and I wasn't. And I was just like, dude, why? I was really, really, yeah, I was really angry about it for like a couple of years. And then suddenly, you know, suddenly it turned and then everybody was like, hey, 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 what about us? What about us? But then it felt really natural for me to sign with these guys because I knew them from way before. And I also know, I knew the quality of work that they wanted to produce. And I think the way it helps to be with an agency or a production company is that you are not alone. Like you don't have to constantly sell yourself and you have a creative pool of interesting people to like bounce your ideas off. And that naturally makes everything you make a lot better. Like the level, it elevates the project when there are more great people involved. Because that's, I mean, I've never been, I've never... I don't want to be a director who like has control, complete control on a, on a miniature level, level, if you know what I mean. Like mm -hmm. I don't want to be micromanaging. I want to have a vision and I want a team around me who shares that vision and then we just do it together. But everybody gets to do, you know, everybody gets quite a lot of freedom on their each individual post, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because then that makes it fun for everybody. And I think being with a company... Even, even though freelancing, having someone who's got your back really helps that because you're paired up with like a lot of cool people and you suddenly that idea that's like a seed in your head grows into something much bigger because there are shared forces, you know. It's really cool. And so what advice would you give to, you know, and particularly women mm. uh, who want to break into your industry in the, in the film industry like is there any advice that uh you've learned along the way and, and maybe it goes to any person who wants to break into your industry but i i, I basically want to touch on on women because it's such a a rare thing to have someone in your position mm, i think you know i think when it comes to working i like what I what I've realized over the years is that as soon as I start like reading about the fact that it's like it's not equal, like we get paid less, or we uh, we never get to do the big blockbusters, or we get sexually harassed, all this stuff that's like very bad for women in the film industry. As soon as I give that too much of my attention, I become very sad about the whole thing. So I try to really not think too much about it. Like I just, you know, put my like focused glasses on and try to just work like I focus all that negative energy into working and and, and all the positive energy into working because I've been taught that like as soon as as long as you do 
good stuff, things things that you find good, you know, um, it's going to pay off. And I feel like that's, I think that that's not having the fear of the the industry looking the way it does is probably key. Because if you zone, if you zoom in too much on the shittiness of it all, that's really going to hold you back. So I think it's about really trying to ignore it and just be like, okay, I'm just going to do another project and do another project. And even though they might be super shitty at times and that you do really bad work and, you know, it's just like, okay, I need to train, like train harder, train harder. And I think that's what's like helped me to get to a position where I can actually make money off of what I do, you know? So it's really focusing on doing the stuff, like making the films, you know, regardless of everything, just making movies, like making projects happen. And I mean, I guess that's advice to anybody, but especially to women, because there's just a lot of like, there's like this massive gray wall in front of you. You're like, do I even want to get into this mess of an industry? But I think if you have enough drive and you want to tell stories, then yeah, you just need to like make good shit, you know, and it's going to pay off. Like, that's how I feel. Well, Joanna, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you. Uh, man, all, all this started from a, 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 a meeting at the coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. So nice. Well, it's such a pleasure. Thank you also, too, for, for suggesting the outdoor the outdoor seating for the podcast. My pleasure. You're the best. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you so much to the Silent Giants behind this episode of the Silent Giants podcast. This episode has been mixed by Mark Bird of MBM Studios, located in Astoria, Queens, NYC's number one recording studio for music, podcasting, and other audio recordings. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at MBM Studios NYC. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge, signing off till next time. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.